Welcome to the Happiness Dude Weekly Podcast, where we help you achieve more and be happier doing it. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Leonard. I'm excited to share with you some of the amazing stories of people like yourself that have found the secret to finding happiness in an ever-changing world. We will share real stories about real people. Let's be inspired as we seek greater happiness in our work and personal lives. Today on the Happiness Dude podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Summer Sites. She is a licensed mental health counselor and educator. She is the co-founder of Whole Women Link, an evidence-based healing practice for the mind, body, and spirit. Today, she will talk about the power of mindfulness and how it can positively impact our personal and business life. Well, hello, Summer Sites. I am so excited to have you on uh, the Happiness Dude podcast. You and I have had opportunity to chat in the past. For those of you that are listening in, Summer is a licensed mental health counselor. Uh, more than that, which I, by the way, is absolutely amazing, but more than that, she's also an educator and an educator that I'll let her kind of explain what that means and what she does, but I am super excited to learn from her and about her business. Uh, one of the things that she does is something called Whole Women Link, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some, some great practices, and she is a wealth of information, especially for the mompreneur and especially for those of us that are trying to juggle so many different distractions in life. Summer is going to have some great insights and tips on how to help us be uh, more successful, how to achieve more and be be happier doing it. So, uh, Summer, how are you today? Good, Mark. Thank you for having me. This is, this is quite a pleasure for me too. Yeah, it, it is. Tell, tell us a little bit about you know who who is Summer. If we were to describe and introduce you at uh, at some sort of wonderful event like a dinner of best friends, what would you say about you? Well, I would say that you know. At, at my core, you know, I'm just interested in healing. I'm interested in helping people, I think like you, Mark, just live the best life they possibly can and get past whatever hang-ups are getting in the way of that. Um, so I've just made it kind of a life passion to, you know, work on, on and tools and uh, ways of approaching things. I like what Maya Angelou says, you know, if we know better, we do better. And so I've learned, I've just been a collector of information. I've always been kind of a book nerd. <laughs> you know, I love to learn new information. Um, I started as a public educator. You mentioned that um, in the public school system and just working with teenagers because I taught eighth and ninth grade and realizing if I was going to help these teenagers better, I was going to need more tools, right? So I went on to get my master's in, um, in counseling and and it's just been, a, you know, I would just say that I am just interested in healing and interested in people. I'm a people lover. Um, on all levels. I just like to love and, and, uh, teach people into, you know, getting to where they want to go. I think that would, what I, how I would most describe myself and just interested in, in how people grow and how they change. That's my greatest passion. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. And that's, that's why I think this aligns so well with, with what I do and with, with our audience is we are just all in this to just help people grow and help give tools to help people uh, overcome 
just kind of what are real life challenges and, and real life experiences. Just give people the right tools to help them be more successful no matter what they do for a living or whatever they're facing. There's so many great tools that we can put in our tool belt. And uh, and I'm just super excited to, to learn from you and to learn a little bit about how to, how to be more successful. So uh, one of the questions I have is, you know, you work with uh, a company called Whole Women Link. What what is that? You know, that's a passion of mine. A, a, a colleague of mine, um, Doctor Doctor Nix, or she goes by Crystal Dayton as well. She um, she's a chiropractic physician. She's also an acupuncturist. And I actually went to her personally um, to do body work. I'm a I'm a licensed or I'm a I'm a trained trauma uh, professional. I do a lot of trauma work, PTSD. Um, People have big traumas, little traumas. Some of them are big T traumas, I call them, where we would consider, you know, a car accident, something major. A lot of people have just a lot of little T traumas, just a lot of different developmental things that just didn't happen in their lives, and they leave a mark on us, obviously. And so I do a lot of that type of work with people, and, and of course, doing work with others, it's really important for me to do my own work, and I, I absolutely believe in that. I do it regularly um, because there's secondary trauma. So I went to go see... Crystal, uh, you know, just to, to noticing that my body was getting tight and I was, uh, you know, wanting to do that. And she just did great work. Anyway, her and I started to discuss the idea of whole healing, um, body, mind, spirit healing, and how much we realized that we were talented in totally different areas. She really understood the body and how to address the body through, you know, body work and nutrition and, and those types of things. And I was very, I was probably more bent on, you know, mind techniques and, and I also include spirituality in my work. Uh, as it fits my client's needs. And so we had this good combo. And so we thought, well, let's do this because so many people don't have access to mental health counseling. Insurance is kind of a disaster for people right now. Um, and so how can we get these tools to people in a way they can access them? And it's all free. Whole women, you know, you go to wholewomenlink.com, you put your email in and we just, there's just different topics this month. We're talking about anxiety. Um, this is a hobby for us. Uh, we haven't, um, we haven't actually capitalized it at all yet. It's completely free. Uh, we've definitely done a lot of speaking events. Um, we may in the future have some, you know, low fee seminars that we have people come to. But again, the goal for us, because we have our private practices, was just to, you know, do a service for our community, get tools to people, get the conversation going that healing is, you know, we heal people. We don't, we don't treat diseases. We treat people and people are complex and we just need to understand that. And that uh, we're whole people. We're not. You can't divide us into parts. You know. So that's just kind of how we've approached this. And I think people have been responding positively to it. We'd like to put more time and energy into it as well. So that's where we're at at this point. The more interest we have, I think, the more uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to cater to that demand. I think as it grows. Yeah. You know, you uh, you hit upon a key word for me, and that's anxiety. As um, mm-hmm. I don't personally. Um, have anxiety, but I have family members that do. And as a caregiver to, to, to multiple family members that, that I don't want to say suffer with anxiety because that to me is such a negative terminology suffering, but, but have to kind of face the world with a little bit different lens than, than maybe I see it at times. Um, I would love to kind of talk about anxiety and talk about, especially how we can maybe have some tools to help us 
so that as we see anxiety coming, that we can that that we can have the tools to help us be successful. One of the greatest things I, I have seen happen in the common sports era just happened recently when Kevin Love, one of the Cleveland Cavaliers, yes. talked about how he had an anxiety attack during a game. And I go, Yes, thank you. Someone's talking about it. That That's oh awesome. it just needs yeah. yes, it just needs to be talked about. And so often we say, oh, anxiety or depression or any other mental health, we, we kind of brush underneath the rug. And I don't think that's the right approach. I think we need to have more conversation about it. I agree. And you know what I loved about what Kevin, I read that article. And what I loved about that, my husband actually said, you know, I think it, I think it was great for men because, you know, men are taught often in our society that need to be strong, they need to stuff their emotions, and that it's not okay to talk about these things. And that really started opening the door that, hey, men have these issues too, and um, it is okay to talk about it and be vulnerable. You know, and at the fundamental core of anxiety, we have oftentimes the emotion shame. We have this belief that, you know, we're broken in some way or we're not enough, um, and that triggers our anxiety even more uh, when we start getting into that type of thinking. So I think, you know, there's a coupling of creating space, which is kind of what he did, to just be vulnerable and, and, and kindly approach ourselves and say, hey, what's going on for me? What's going on in my body? What's going on in my mind? What's going on in my life? Uh, a lot of times anxiety has, has a lot to do. My clients, you know, maybe they weren't prone to it before and it shows up in their life because they've gotten so busy, they've gotten so overwhelmed that they've stopped taking space for themselves. They've stopped letting their mind heal itself by having quiet spaces where they are able to process. And so it, it comes up in their body and their mind as anxiety. It's almost a, symb- a symptom, as I'm trying to describe, of something deeper. Um, so for people, I, I always tell people I'm a root therapist. I want to get to the root of an issue. And I love how you said, hey, you know, I don't want to, you know, label it. I, I actually am a big believer with my clients. I may know the diagnosis and for the insurance, I have that code and that label. But I always say, we, you're a person dealing with this issue, you know, but I think it's important to find our strength as people and recognize that we're dealing with something, you know, and it may, and it may be diagnosable and you may have enough criteria to say, yep, I have this now, but we don't have to be too attached to it. I think we can move through things as we have the right tools and say, I am my name dealing with this issue. And I think keeping that separation is important um, because the moment we kind of identify ourselves with something, it's a little more likely to stick around if that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I have seen labels be effective and I've seen labels be ineffective. And, yeah. And, and, that's how you're using it. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the time that I see labels being effective is when we see ourselves having this naysayer or negative talk in our own head. And then we could say, mm-hmm. oh, you know what, Mark, that's just you being negative. And, and, and I kind of label myself as that for that moment so that I can separate out and say, I didn't invite you to my party. I didn't invite my negative <laughs> here. So uh, yeah. he, here's the door. I'm going to show you out so that I can see happiness, so I can see optimism, so I can see other things. And sometimes it's as easy as that. And other times it takes a lot more work to get that naysayer out the door. But with anxiety, it, it is difficult to, to, to kind of draw that line of where do we label and what is the power really is just working through and helping someone recognize, okay, here's the issue and here are some tools. You, you talked about creating space for yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. what, yeah, what, let's talk about that more. Yeah. I think that would be helpful. 
So what I'm talking about, and you'll hear me throw these terms out, and maybe be new to people. So mindfulness is a concept that's been out there quite a bit, and mindfulness is what um, you know most of the new research is pointing to is is the most helpful with things like anxiety and or depression. It's useful for both. Um, but that's just the opportunity, the ability to observe your inner life, your thoughts, your feelings, your physical sensation, sensations without being overly entangled or distressed by them. So the goal is to, um, you know, not, like you said, be a victim of your inner experience, but just to notice it, know what's going on. The thing about anxiety that's so overwhelming is it is a body felt emotion. You can't talk yourself out of it. So the old adage that, you know, it's just in your head, you know, just, just get it out of your head. Well, Unfortunately, it's not just in your head. It's in your head and in your body. And I, that's why I talked about with Whole Women Link, we're addressing that. If people are anxious, they'll notice they're in a very tight muscle body. You know, their, their, their breathing gets sped up. I have a gorgeous little six-year-old who doesn't have much in her life that would create anxiety, you would think. Um, but I've seen her, um, you know, because she cares so much deeply about people and she's just this deep-throwing being, have anxiety. And I, it's been interesting for me as her mother to watch how, um, you know, there's no talking her through that in that moment. It's, it's about getting her to calm her body down. So we use these body techniques. First thing to do is just, Hey, what's going on in your body? What's, you know, what's going on for you? Maybe sit down. Um, so I'm kind of thinking about in terms of her, I have her breathe with me. I maybe model that deep breathing. Um, cause really what we want to do is calm what they call the we want to trigger this sympathetic nervous system, this parasympathetic nervous system, which kind of regulates our body and say, Hey, we're not actually in our thinking brain right now. We're in the back of our brain where we don't actually have access to our thoughts, creativity, uh, our control center, if you will, which is our prefrontal brain. So we're not in that part when we're anxious. So what I try to do is get people back in that part of their brain. And that is all body work. So we're going to breathe. Um, you know, people can Google progressive muscle relaxation. We want to get our, our muscles relaxed. Um, you've probably heard a flight or fight response. That's what's happening in the body when we're anxious. And so we want to get that calmed down and look around you and be like, I'm actually not in danger. Usually what happens is we've had some painful learning in the past. And so we're looking around and assuming we're in danger. Maybe we think that this person may hurt us or this, this event may cause us distress. And so all of a sudden our body, it's trying to protect us, puts us in the state of fear. Um, but truly, unless you were actually, you know, in, in imminent danger, you're not needing to have that response. It's not valuable, but unfortunately it gets triggered for people still. Um, and so we want to learn how to have tools to just calm that down and get them back into their brains where they actually will be able to have more choices about their thinking. Um, but the, the biggest mistake I see people do is they try to push through it and say, oh, I'm anxious and I'm going to just push through this. And unfortunately, usually when you push through anxiety, it gets worse. It really does. Um, when you struggle against it and you fight it without acceptance and kindness and compassion, the anxiety gets worse for the people. Uh, does that make sense to you, Mark? As oh, I describe that? Yeah, yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. And and one one of the things that you said was you know kind of this muscle relaxing. Um, it reminds it reminds me of the power of meditating, and yes. and just allowing yourself to just calmly, deeply breathe and begin to recognize all of the sensations around you and, and allowing, you know, this is going back to that space for yourself, allowing yourself to kind of think through and process and remember that, that you're not in danger. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we want to pair, we want to pair those difficult events with a relaxed muscle body, you know, so the body and the brain start to be like, wait a minute, I can walk through this feeling good in my body. And it's not as bad as I thought. And so a lot of times what we do is avoid, you know, that's the biggest issue we see with anxiety. Oh, my child, am I scared of this? We're going to avoid it. But that actually makes it worse, right? Because the longer we avoid something that we are afraid of, the more that the body and the mind go, oh, the reason why we were safe is because we avoided that. So what we really want to do is get ourselves calm, you know, get ourselves feeling relaxed in our body. Breath is excellent. I see people have yoga practices that really help, breathing exercises. It can be as small as, I usually start with my clients just saying, setting a timer on their phone for two minutes and just noticing their breath, noticing their thoughts, and just having something that we call interception, just being aware of their bodies. It's amazing how little awareness we have of what's happening in our bodies. We ignore this huge tool that we have, which is our body. So really what we want to do in it with anxiety treatment is start to become aware of our bodies. And the more aware we are of them, the more we can use them to our advantage. You, you know, when you said that, I was instantly picturing um, a mom sitting in the carpool lane waiting to pick up their, their son, their daughter at school and having just, you know, two minutes there uh, to yeah. really just utilize that time. So if if there's a mom out there in the carpool lane, how, how would you walk them through giving them, you know, so you set the timer for two minutes. How would you walk them through? So you would, they're already sitting Excellent. down. Yeah. I'm that mom in the carpool lane every day. Nice. <laughs> so that's perfect. Um, I... I would, I do it a lot. Actually, even, believe it or not, even driving in the car, not, it's, it's better to be parked, right? If you're going to do a meditative thing, I, I want to say that if you're doing a meditative exercise, you need to be parked and stable somewhere, but um, you can even notice your, your breathing and your thoughts while you're driving, you know, if you don't have the opportunity to park. But let's say you're parked. Um, what I would do is um, you have to go the opposite of what happens when we're anxious. When we get anxious, our breathing speeds up and the space between breaths gets shorter. So what we really want to do is extend the length between breaths too. So what I would have them do, uh, I always ground myself first. So I'm going to put my feet on the ground, get it comfortable, maybe, you know, stretch and relax my muscles for a moment. And then I'm going to count. This is the one I often see, you know, close your eyes, go inside your body. I'm going to count for five breaths in, five seconds in, count for five seconds out. And then I'm going to pause for five seconds before I take the next breath. Because that pause, we call that dropping into the gap in mindfulness work. That gap is really what regulates us, ironically. If we just take that next breath quickly, we're not gaining the full benefit. You're going to want to, you know, five seconds. You can do it longer. Some of you have much more lung capacity. So seven, eight seconds in, seven, eight seconds out. Hold it for seven, eight seconds. And then take the next breath. I think, you know, I usually will try to do that five, six breaths. And it's amazing. I do that with clients when they come in and they're a little anxious about the session. I ask them how you feel, you know, they'll feel a little lightheaded, but they immediately feel that muscle relaxation. And I say, you know, how are your thoughts now? And they'll say much clearer because what they did is they got out of that anxious place in them and got into that pain. And again, you're, you have so much learning up there. You know, we have so many uh, access to so many things. If you can be in the right part of your brain uh, where all your skills are available to you. You know, a lot of times we're just spinning around uh, hooked onto some old function that we have to let go all day great way to get ready before you see your kids too if you've had a busy day 
you know, oh, I, I love that idea. Just that little transitionary period. Uh, and, for you know, I was also thinking the amount of times when I was commuting a lot and I had an hour to, well, sometimes hour 45 minute commute to come home and I was stressed from that, I, I wish I would have utilized this tool to just kind of calm me down before I walk in the door. Because that way I would be set and it would be that transition from the stress of the commute, the stress of the day to then be reset and be able to give attention to my wife, to our kids, and to give attention to the things that really matter. Um, that would have been... I love that you... Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Go I was ahead. just going to say, that would have been a really, really good transition for me. I wish I would have utilized that. Yeah, and I've actually coached, uh, you know, a lot of transitions are usually where the biggest uh, blow-ups or relational stress happens. Have you noticed that? I mean, I do a lot of marital therapy, and that's exactly what I talk to people about. You know, get in that, get that intention. But again, that intention is that second piece. We start with the body. We work our way to the mind. And when the mind's online, then we can get to things that are deeper, that are spiritual for us. And all three, you know, you can, you, I, I know people that have spiritual practices that immediately get their mind and body. So I'm not suggesting you can't switch the order, but if our body is in line, it has a tendency to knock the other two off <laughs> real quick. So yeah. it's really, and, and our body hijacks those other two. So I always say to people, you know, if you are distressed, start with your body. Uh, work your way to your mind and then your spirit um, because that's a more fine part of us. Um, and it really helps. And I, I, I absolutely, with to the breath, once you're calmed, then that's your space to set your intention. I love that you use that mindful language, you know, set the intention. One thing I've been doing lately, I just mentioned it to my husband last night. I did it with my daughter. She's got, um, she's got dance competitions the next two weekends and she was having a moment. She was feeling anxious and I could see her spinning and running around uh, worried as she was running between numbers, getting dressed for the next thing. And I looked at her and I stopped her and I said, Aubrey, calm down. This is supposed to be fun. She really wasn't with me yet. And I said, I wish I'd had more time to get her in a calm muscle body. But I said, what's going to matter to you five years from now, Aubrey? What's going to be important to you? And she stopped. You know, she had to think for a minute. Well, that I had fun and that, you know, I said, yeah, this isn't that important what you're worried about. Like, just go and have fun, you know, just dance. And I think sometimes if we just go kind of go future, hey, what's what's going to be important to me five years from now? Is this meeting? Is this deadline? You know, is that going to be what's important to me, or is it going to be relationships and um, you know how I treated others, how I treated myself? And it kind of gets us in the right frame of mind. So sometimes just a future-oriented question like that, what's going to matter to me five years from now, uh, really helps us set a positive intention real quickly. It just narrows down what's important to us. And, and it works in family relations, it works in sports, it works in business. And, and I love that because, you know, I, I've watched my kids, I've been in competitive, you know, traveling competitive sports. And as soon as they get really stressed out, as soon as all of the pressure is sitting on their shoulders, they suddenly tense up and their performance goes down. Um, That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and I've seen it with me. As soon as I put that same pressure on me in my own business, my performance goes down as long as I'm in that stressed, tense state. But if I can take a moment to calm myself down, to breathe, to really think about, okay, what really matters? What do I need to focus on? And of all of the things I'm dealing with, what really has value it, once I begin to reframe it, 
Suddenly my stress goes down, my performance goes up, my confidence increases, my hope increases, my resiliency is better. I mean, all of these things start playing in my favor as soon as I begin setting myself for the right expectation. Yeah, that's right. And that's exactly what I've seen. Because really, whatever we're worried about in the moment is usually just some nitpick detail. You know, uh, we're worried about what people think of us. That's what happens a lot with social anxiety. There's this kind of projection of people are going to judge me. Well, in five years, you may not even be with those people, right? Yeah. And kind of have this, have this moment of like, wait a minute, you know, in five years, I mean, especially for a young person whose life is changing so quickly. You know, I have a teenager. I have, I've worked with teenagers many times. I taught you know, teenagers in the public school. They're very worried about that social moment, right? They're very worried about what their peers think of them. They're so worried about uh, that grade on that test. They assume that that grade is going to determine their whole future. They're just in myopic in those moments. So if you can help them see that in five years from now, you know, they fast forward, maybe now they're in college. Is this one exam going to make or break your life? <laughs> no. They can see that. Okay, just do your best. And, and we often talk in our house uh, about how we're seeking excellence, not perfection. You know, excellence is something we're trying to do a little better every day, but like making mistakes is part of that process. And so when you can kind of make friends with mistakes, you can recognize that mistakes are about growth. You know, if you're not willing to make a mistake, you're not willing to let yourself grow. Um, practice is controlled failure, right? Yes. And so you, you practice things. And my son, oh, my son has got a tennis today. You know, it's like all these moms, right? I'm spinning around got lots of things going. Um, and it's his first tennis match. And I used to play tennis. So this is so fun for me. He's a freshman on varsity, which he's so excited about. And he's like, mom, I'm going to absolutely get annihilated today. <laughs> and I looked at him and I smiled and I said, you are, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And I said, you are, you're going to get annihilated. And that's going to be helpful. I said, everybody has to get annihilated their first tennis match. So they know where to start from. So you know where the rest of your high school you get to grow and how you get to improve. You can even go out there today and just learn as much as you can from not being as good as that other person across from you. You know better, but I know I set him up that it's okay if he doesn't do well or as well as he'd like to. It's not about winning or losing. It's about learning from what didn't happen in that match. And then he'll always be able to have fun with it um, because it'll be about what he learned versus the end result, right? And I think that's what we need to understand is that life's about learning. It's not about the end result. At least that's how I try to approach it. And it brings me a lot more joy to do it that way. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I speak excellence, not perfection. That I didn't realize that was one of our uh, models and mantras at home, but it really, it's something that we subscribe to. I just don't think I've ever yeah. put that, that great language around it. It's so simplistic and it really is about, how can we improve? And you know what? Failure. I, I remember when I was laid off, uh, the first time or it was, you know what? It was absolutely a phenomenal experience. I look back at that layoff and, and it was so uncomfortable at the time, but I grew so much from it that, that I go, I do. I, 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 I've almost, no, I have said, I think everyone needs to be fired at least once in their life. And, and it's kind of, you know, it's almost this negative viewpoint, but, but some great things come through that experience of trial of going, okay, who am I? Sometimes we identify ourselves with our success and our work and 
that's not who we are. We, we are individuals who happen to do a, a work, but it, but our work is not who we are. And, and when, when someone has that, that separation, it gives us opportunity to reflect and say, wait, who am I? Or who do I want to be now? And, and I really like that idea of who do I want to be and what can I do to make some steps in that direction? For, for our mompreneurs that are listening right now, what would be your advice to, to just kind of help separate? I mean, so many of our mompreneurs are, man, they are working 40, 50 hours, 60 hours a week on their business. They're cooking dinner. They're doing the shuttle. They're, they're taking kids back and forth from to sports. They're trying to keep their marriage intact. They've got all these things going on. What advice would you give to that mompreneur? Well, first of all, welcome. I'm, I'm one of them. So I absolutely have some thoughts on this, um, uh, you know, being self-employed as well. There's just not a lot of structure to that sometimes, and the structure is constantly changing. Um, and so usually what I do with this one is I think of my life like a big garden. I, I, I'm very visual, um, and I like to use analogies. I'm kind of a storyteller, so my clients get used to that. <laughs> but um, there is I like to think of my life like a really big garden and I could have a very small garden and then I could control everything and everything could, you know, be attended to all at the same time. But then I would have to have a very small garden, right? I wouldn't be able to have it be this big garden. And especially times in our life, those of us that are midlife, you know, I'm 40 uh, that have children and careers. And this is like our biggest earning years. Our gardens are very big and they're very messy. And you can think about your garden in the summertime, you know, you weed it and the next day there's weeds popping up somewhere else. And so, those of you that are in the summertime of your life where you have a lot of things going, um, it's just natural that um, it's going to be producing a lot, but it's also going to be producing a lot. There's going to be a lot of weeds and things that need to be attended to. So I like to think of rotating. You know, you're going, that's how we do it when we garden, we rotate, right? We're going to rotate through sections and attend, and we're not going to go to the same section over and over. We're going to keep going to different sections. So eventually we've hit the entire garden. And I like to, I do that actually with myself in the morning. Uh, with mindfulness, I'll think, where am I dry right now? Or where has my garden not been attended to? And that will be the next thing I attend to. Or I put a pencil at the top of my list. There are things that I need to do every day. And then there's things that I, I can't do every day. And accepting that, okay, you know, my house may be dirty one week while I'm doing more outside of my home. But then I'll know that the next week I can spend more time doing things in my home and maybe less time in my job. And just accepting that there's that rotation and that everything doesn't actually all have to be lined up at once. Because I find that when I talk to moms, what they're really upset about is that everything isn't in order. You know, they kind of think that everybody else has everything in order, and the truth is nobody does. And <laughs> they're comparing themselves with that. So if they can just kind of say, hey, I'm going to keep rotating, and that's okay, uh, that can kind of take that pressure off of that overwhelmed that you have to do all things at once, and then help you focus on uh, one thing at a time. Mindfulness shows that, you know, multitasking actually creates quite a bit of distress and we have a tendency to not be as effective when we're multitasking, although women are great at multitasking. We can typically do a few things at the same time, but if we can just really focus on, okay, this thing is important to me, I'm going to finish that, and then the next thing's important, I'm going to do that, and kind of give ourselves that space to really focus where we're at and be okay that we're not somewhere else, I think that really helps us manage the chaos, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely. Um, that comparison trap 
that we all tend <laughs> to, to fall into, right? Um, yeah. The, uh, my experience has been when we start doing that comparison trap, it's nothing but a negative hole that pulls us down. And, and it's when, when we can begin to see that we are good enough and that we have potential and that we have value, suddenly that comparison trap goes away. And also recognizing that just because you can't see what someone else is going through doesn't mean that their life is perfect. Everyone is going through some trial, tribulation, trauma in their life at that very moment. Sure, I've never met someone yet that hasn't had that going on. If you really get them in a quiet space and ask them, there's there's some pressure. I think we need traction in life, right? So we, in order to to move, we need some traction. So all of us have a little traction, you know, so that we can move along. Um, And if we didn't have any traction, I don't think we would. So I think you know, some, and we can start to embrace that. That's the thing of mindfulness. It's like, what is this teaching me right now? You know, like I loved how you, you know, you said that you got laid off. You know, if you hadn't, if you had just broken down and I'm a, I'm a terrible person and I give up mode, which we do sometimes temporarily, you wouldn't have had a lot of traction, right? But if you can turn and say, okay, this is happening. I accept that. I lovingly accept this. This is just where I'm at right now. And then say, what is this trying to teach me? What can I learn from it? Um, you know, we, 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 mindfulness and then acceptance. Acceptance is another piece of, of what we do with anxiety. You know, we want to mindfully accept what it is we're struggling with and just be curious about it. Okay, what is it trying to teach me? You know, what have I learned about this in the past? That gets us in that helpful, solution-oriented mindset versus that beating yourself up that you don't already have the answers or that, you know, how could you have fallen in this place in the first place, uh, which isn't doesn't ever help us really get where we're going. You know, and, and sometimes when things happen, we, we look at the immediacy of, of the difficulty, you know, going back to the layoff. One, one of the reasons why I look at that as a pivotal day of my life is that was the very moment that I decided to change my focus in life. I changed, I ended up going away to a different university that I was planning on doing. I studied something completely different for my master's, which then brought me to a very different doctorate. Had I not been laid off, I don't think I would have learned and been been pushed kind of in that direction. And I am far happier now than I believe I would have been had I stayed on that other trajectory that I was going on. But it took kind of that proverbial two by four to hit me and say, hey, this is not where you're supposed to be. And it was wonderful. I, I of course, Going through it was difficult, right? You know, oh boy, can right. I keep, keep can I keep the house? I'm going to sell this car. We sold a whole bunch of furniture, and it was just a very difficult time. But I look back now and I go, I am so thankful for it. I am just so thankful that that I had that experience, so that now I can look and see where I was successful through that process. And when I and when I focus upon my successes, and I found that when other people focus on their past successes, it sets them up to to be able to see that they've been successful, therefore they can be successful again. And absolutely that's a great mindful tool as well. I'm sure you've probably talked about this with your clients and seen that in your studies, Mark, is that um, you know, you know, great Olympians, I know that um Oh, who's our great Olympic swimmer? Can't believe I'm forgetting right now. Michael Phelps. Thank you. Michael Phelps uh, uses this. You know, he'll, before he swims, and you kind of see that he's got his earphones on, he's tuning out the world. He'll, 
he will go, and, and, and really most athletes do this, they literally uh, visualize their success. They visualize every detail of that success sitting there, cueing their brain, this is what we do this, and then we do this, and then we do this, before they even step an inch into that water, or even they step up to the block, you know, in, in swimming. Um, and I, I often do that. I do it a lot with my teenagers. You know, they get in these negative states, and I say, you know, tell me about a great a time you had a did really well in the class or you, you know, whatever it is, or you, you had that great, my son, you know, you had a great tennis practice or match, you know, what did that look like? How did that feel in your body? What were you thinking? You have them cue through every part of that. And it really does have the brain, the brain's really quick. It's a supercomputer. It'll go through every single thing and cue you. Okay. That's what we're expecting now. So then when they actually step into that event, they're ready to go. They're in the right mindset. Their brain already knows what to do. They just have to follow the leader. And and so often we come up to an event worrying about everything that's going to go wrong and stressing. And, uh, that is, that, that attracts more of that negative stuff. You know, it's exactly what we don't want. We're afraid of, and that's what we're attracting. So if we can take a moment, breathe, be mindful, accept, Hey, I'm nervous about this. Of course I am. That just says it's important to me. So that's what I have people to do. That's just telling you it's important to you, accept that it's important to you. And then let's use some of these other tools like breath gets you relaxed, you know, visualization gets your mind prepped to have success. So it sounds like you and I are using a lot of the same tools. I'm not a surprise. Probably <laughs> learning from the same places. So. Well, we, we are. And I think that's why we've been friends is, is we, <laughs> we, we think quite a bit the same and it's all about how can we utilize our experiences and the experiences of others to strengthen one another and, and to, to help people see success where other times they may not. And, and I'm driven by a passion, an absolute passion. Sorry. I I'm driven by an absolute passion to see mompreneurs be successful. I am driven by a moms pa- make the world go around. They, oh, they help their, their families. They, they're, 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 they're important. They do. And, and, and I'm, I'm inspired by so many strong, incredible women and every single one I've met, they don't necessarily feel that way inside. And, and, but when, when we expose and we help them see the greatness that they have and the greatness that they already are, their greatness that they become is even larger. And, and I'm driven by that passion of, of helping individuals kind of break through and it drives happiness. Summer, I have really enjoyed learning more about mindfulness and more about creating that space and taking that time to really sit down and and take that time to breathe, to to do the muscle relaxing. You know, even if it's yoga or if it's just deep breathing or we're grounding ourselves and we're we're taking the those few moments to set ourselves correctly and to help us in those transitionary times of our day. Kids in carpool. Uh, husband, wife, uh, companion coming home from work or getting home from work or wherever those transition periods are, it is just so vital to take a few moments. And my experience, what I've seen when I've done a lot of counseling with uh, in my executive coaching and counseling with, with executive leaders is that the most fractured or or the most time that they have friction in their personal lives is in that transition between work and home. And if we could take a few moments 
to just allow ourselves to, to transition with intent, we'll find that we alleviate a lot of those pressures, a lot of those concerns, a lot of those stressors, and we're able to focus on what really matters. Um, I, I love what you have shared with us, Summer. Thank you so very much. Do you have any last pieces of advice for us? Well, I was just thinking that, you know, again, consistent with Whole Women's Link, we've talked about the mind, we've talked about the body, but I always like to put a plug for the spirit, and everybody uh, attaches the spirit differently. But I really think that research shows that people who believe in a higher power, who believe that that higher power is helping them through their lives, are actually far more successful. We all have an understanding that our capacity is limited. If we're really reliant on our own strength, we all know that at some point in time that runs out. But if we if we calm our bodies and we connect, you know, or we, and we you know are able to get in our mind to be intentional, then we can tap into our spirit, our spiritual practices. You know, I think, um, you know, however we do that, however we gain power uh, and ask for help or look for help for our situation, I think that really helps people understand that they're not alone, that they're not actually meant to do things alone, um, that they they can tap into that power. Um, even if it's just the power of their own spirit, they're, what they're determined, looking at things that they've, you know, done in the past. But, you know, many of us that believe that, you know, you know, the power in family, the power in, in their faith, you know, there's just all these things to tap into. And, um, you know, we don't want to go on a long journey without all of our parts. And we are, we, we, you know, we are mind, body, spirit. We want to have our whole person as to whatever it is. Or whatever it is, they're all, in, our whole person wants to be present in that event. And I think... Those are our three parts, and so we don't want to ignore that third part uh, because it is so powerful in our abilities to be successful. And, um, and you know, people in our lives, well, there's care towards us that wants us to be successful too. Amen. I, <laughs> beautifully said. Summer, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for everyone that has been listening and I hope you have an absolutely fabulous day filled with intent and best of luck to uh, the tennis match and best of <laughs> luck, you. Best of luck to your family. Thank you so much, everyone. I would like to thank Summer Sites for joining us today. To find out more about Summer and evidence-based healing practices for the mind, body, and spirit, you can find her at summersites.com and wholewomenlink.com. If you loved learning and being inspired today, make sure you subscribe to the Happiness Dude podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. When you leave a positive rating and share this episode, more people like yourself can hear these inspiring stories. To find more information about Dr. Mark Leonard and the Happiness Dude, follow the Happiness Dude on Facebook for all announcements, events, and happiness insights. Or you can visit his website, thehappinessdude.com.